Welcome to She Is Your Neighbor, a show where we discuss the realities and complexities of domestic violence. This podcast is brought to you by Women's Crisis Services of Waterloo Region, a charitable organization in Ontario, Canada. I'm your host, Jenna Main. Join me as we talk to different people each week to learn how domestic violence impacts people from all walks of life. She is your neighbor, and we all have a role to play in ending domestic violence. This week's episode is called Filling in the Blanks with Brenda Holleran. Brenda is a former two-term mayor of Waterloo, and in this episode, she talks about her personal experience with domestic violence. Brenda explains that at the time she was experiencing this, she did not reach out to her friends and family or her neighbors about it, and nobody knew what was happening to her. She explains that she was able to overcome this struggle, in part thanks to her friends and family, and she actually went on to become the mayor of Waterloo, something that she never thought she could do when she was in this situation. Brenda also helps fill in the blanks to explain how She Is Your Neighbor began and where this podcast series is headed. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed talking to Brenda. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks again for joining me today, Brenda. Oh, you're very welcome, Jen. I'm really honored to be able to to share this podcast with you. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here again. So can you start by sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah, certainly. So, um... I've had a long life so far, and and hopefully there's lots more ahead of me, but part of my life um, was a very difficult time during which I I did um, experience domestic violence, and I did it during a time when I had, my daughter was two years old, and my ex-husband was a very manipulative um, con artist, and he was an alcoholic, and he took he took a lot of money out of our family life. He put us in financial jeopardy. And as he got to be more and more desperate for finances and just in and out of jobs and the instability of his world, he took his anger and frustration out on me. And um, that was, a really, it was a, a really difficult time for me because I never thought I would be in a situation experiencing domestic violence. Um, I was a was living, uh, had a good job, I I had, uh, came from a great family, I had never experienced anything like this, and I never thought it would happen to me. And when it did, I was in a state of shock and denial, because again, I couldn't comprehend that this couldn't be happening to me, or I I never expected to be with a man who was was, um, violent and who did some pretty, pretty awful things. So as his violence was escalating and his alcoholism was and money was missing from our world, um, I became fearful for myself because he was threatening to harm me physically. And uh, he had done a lot of psychological abuse uh, with me over the years. But it was also reflecting on my little girl at two years old. She was becoming frightened of him and his violent outbursts and his yelling and, and what was happening. And it was uh, one critical time when he ref- he wasn't coming home on weekends, and he was doing probably very you know nasty stuff. That um, I decided it was time to stand up for myself and tell him it was time for him to leave. And he was abusive back. And uh, luckily, my I had my family, and my brothers came, and my parents came, and I said to him, you know, you better leave because my family's on their way. And the most amazing thing is he went from this this violent abusive man to a man who said oh okay yeah okay because he was afraid of them 
and that really taught me something too because I'd never told my family anything that was going on but they had some ideas of things because he was after them for money and always always broke and always things just seemed to happen to him so um, so yeah I went through that and I, I was financially wiped out and I had to move back with my mom and dad. I got back on my feet. My daughter and I moved into a townhouse. It turned out to be built on a landfill site. I got wiped out financially. Moved back with my mom and dad. Got back on my feet. And then I decided it was time to run for mayor. And this was in 2006. And um, at that time, I thought, you know, I'd gone through quite a few things. And maybe I could help other people and step up. And I uh, had no no political experience, but I'd been fighting for my rights with my home on a landfill site, and I decided that um, maybe it's time for me to step into a situation where I can make a change and help people, especially women, who are in difficult situations. So in 2006, I ran against two gentlemen, and um, I won, and it was incredible. And then I ran again in 2010, and I won, and I won uh, by a big, big uh, margin. And so I was the mayor of Waterloo for eight years. And my message to anyone listening to this is if you're in a situation right now that's really hard and you don't know how to get out of it and you can't see your future, I, I went through that and I didn't know how to get out of it, but I did. I didn't know that I could ever become the mayor of, of just an amazing city, the city of Waterloo, but I did. And if I can do it, you can do it. So don't let this hold you back at all. Oh, thank you, Brenda. You're giving me chills. It's, it's not the first time I've heard your story, but it's just, it's really impactful to hear. And, and I, I think it is really inspiring for all women to listen to and mm -hmm. to know, you know, it, it gives people hope that you can yes. go through that. You sure can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for sharing that with You're me. You're welcome. I really appreciate it. So, yeah, so I want to give everyone a little bit of background here. So last year we launched the She Is Your Neighbor mm -hmm. project. And it was a storytelling series, an awareness project, and you were a part of it. You were, yes. Yeah, you were a big part of it, helped oh. us launch it. So you shared your story with us, and so did some other ambassadors mm -hmm. from across the region. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it went really well. It was like a blog storytelling series. It was, it went better than really well. It was <laughs> a huge success. And uh, a lot of that was because of you and your leadership and, and your vision. This I know this was big idea of yours so I want to thank you for that oh thank you Brenda <laughs> thanks so much yeah so it, it did go well and um, we really wanted this year to continue it mm -hmm. since it did go so well and we thought okay what can we do different let's do a podcast this year we thought it'd be a little more interactive and we thought we could dive even a little deeper into mm -hmm. some of these stories and you know last year we talked about lots of different topics we especially with you talked about financial abuse yeah talked about emotional we talked about domestic violence and pets. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of different topics, but this year we thought, why don't we build on that, go a bit deeper and provide a bit more education. So, you know, we're gonna be talking about lots of different topics this year, but I just wanted to bring you back on because I think your story is so powerful and it stood out for a lot of people because, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that you can go through something like this yes. and become mayor. Yeah. Yeah. Who'd have thought? Yeah, and it's just so inspiring, right? Oh, and, thank you. Yeah, and I think people going through domestic violence sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, even the whole idea of this is she is your neighbor. It happens to more people than mm -hmm. we think in different neighborhoods. It's, My neighbors never knew. Yeah. My family didn't know. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering what it was like for you to share your story through, I know you've shared it before, but mm -hmm. through the She Is Your Neighbor project last year and what it was kind of like for you. Well, every time I've shared my story, <clears throat> excuse me, it, um, 
it, it still brings back um, a lot of pain, and in, in, in it's like kind of a physical thing that that is that uh, in my th in, in like my throat it gets tight and sore, and I can feel my body reacting to still that stress. And this happened over 25 years ago, so it wasn't yesterday. But these, this this type of abuse and, and psychological and emotional abuse and the threats of violence and and the demeaning name calling and and the worry about things. I think it just stays with you. It becomes part of you that you carry with. So when I talk about it, it, it does have a physical impact on me, which always surprises me. But I think it's so important to tell stories and to, to tell women that you're not alone. It's, it's, it's just, it's not your fault. Um, you didn't cause this. You didn't make him angry. You didn't, you didn't you're not the, the reason for his anger. You're just the victim of it. And you're just there. Um, in, in the wrong place at the wrong time for a person going through a difficult time. And I just want women to know that you don't have to live with it, within this, these, these terrible situations and your children and to be strong and to have hope. And there's a lot of help for you. And I often, I always say it, um, everywhere I speak, if, if I can be of any help, if, if there's anything I can do, reach out to me. I'm easy to find on social media. and. Um, don't stay. Don't put yourself and your kids through that. I, I have had friends who say, well, I'll just wait until the kids are older. And I would say, why would you do that to yourself, but especially to your children? What are you showing them and what will their life be like, seeing, seeing what the abuse that you're going through and their, that they're being abused as well? So um, yeah, there's a lot to it. It's, it's a very deep, it's a deep, not scar, but it's a deep bruise that stays with you. And that always surprises me because when I talk to you now, I can feel it, and it always shocks me that it's still in me, and I just um, I still have some anger, you know, and I'll just deal with it. Yeah, well, and I mean, you're dealing with it in a positive way. You went on to become mayor. You have helped us out for so long, and now you're our board member here at yes, Women's Crisis Services. Yeah. So thank you and congrats. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, actually, I started helping at Anselma House after I um, left my husband, and my daughter and I were secure with my mom and dad. So like I say, I was rebuilding my life after leave, leaving him. So I did some volunteer training uh, at Anselma House when it was Anselma House. And I remember doing the training, and um, that's when it hit me. And that was when the realization occurred to me because of the training and what I was reading is that I had been in a domestic violent relationship. And I never put those words to it because I didn't want to. I didn't want to face it. And I remember I cried. I broke down and cried. There are other women. There, there's an emotional time to it. But it really helped me to finally label what it was because until then, and this was, you know, in the, in the um, the late, when was it? Yeah, early 1990s. We weren't talking about issues like this. It was all very hush-hush. So all of a sudden I had this happening and I didn't know who to talk to. I, um, there was really nobody. So in Salma House, which is now, you know, of course, the organization it is now, was, was such a, a big role um, uh, and a, a role of inspiration and hope to me. So I started doing volunteer work with children in a children's program because my one of my prior careers was as a um, registered nurse working with emotionally disturbed children in a psychiatric setting. So I had a lot of background in working with kids. And then one day my daughter, little, she was four, and she said, Mommy, why are you leaving me to go to be with other kids? Because I was working three jobs and her and I were, I didn't see her a lot. And I thought, you're right, you're right. So I ended up just volunteering my time and I used to collect things. So I would collect 
household goods and furniture and everything I could from people I worked with and then have it available for when women left the shelter I would have them come to my little garage they will take what you want or I would deliver it or sometimes friends were moving and had all this furniture and we would just go and set up a house so I did that for a lot of years and it was it was probably one of the most rewarding things because I'd always think of women leaving and they wouldn't even have a toothbrush and how do you start again oh yeah so I've been connected to this organization for a long time you have, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of come full circle now. So you start volunteering, sure and <laughs> oh, I'm so so honored. Oh, I'm so glad, and I'm also wondering. So when you did share your story last year through the project, mm-hmm. did you have any women reach out to you or anything like that? I did. I had quite a few women reach out to me, and I had quite a few um, young men who uh, sent me messages saying, "I, I, you know, I'm ashamed. This is happening to my mom, and how do I help our families?" and um, you know, some of them were just just thanking me for, for talking about it. And uh, so, yes, I did have quite a few emails uh, about it and have had quite a bit of follow-up. Uh, actually, recently, two months ago, I was with a woman who reached out to me, uh, was going through a very difficult situation, and um, she was new to Canada. And so I I'm, I'm really feel grateful that I have the opportunity to be um, public enough that people can find me and reach out for help because um, I can't help them. Yeah. And I, I have to, and I will. Yeah, yeah, and lots of people reached out to me personally too after the project and during wanting to share their stories, mm-hmm. feeling empowered, which was really cool to yeah. see. And lots of people, I'm not gonna name names, but people reached out to me about your story in particular. Is that right? Yeah, because it really stuck out to them that, Aww. you know, they didn't know, like some people hadn't heard your story before, no. and it was shocking to people. And there was a few people in particular who told me they wanted to share their story afterwards because oh, that's of that. Wonderful. Well, it's a hard thing to share. So I did a fundraiser for for um, the organization, and uh, it must have been about maybe maybe eight years ago, and it was a big one at St. George Hall. And my mom and my daughter were there, and it was the first time I'd ever publicly talked about my story, and it, and it was really, you know, it was challenging for over 200 people, and I told my story. And afterwards, there were moms and daughters lined up to talk to me and my daughter. And I'll never forget that because it was, and this was, I, I think I'd just become the mayor, so I, I was really um, shy about that and, and thinking, will this hurt me, you know, within the community or politically? Will I have men angry with me? And uh, I never got that anything but positive back. And I was really grateful for it because some people, you know, on social media can say pretty mean things or that I've never had anything back, but people being grateful, thankful, and as you say, now they feel comfortable coming out because it's okay. We're not the victims. We're not the bad people, but at one time you felt like it was you, that you caused the problem, that it was your fault he was angry, that, you know, well, if only I maybe, you know, smiled more, did more, because I went through that. I thought, well, maybe if I appease him or maybe if I do this and that, but inside, as a, a strong woman, I think, why should I have to? But there's, there's sometimes things you have to do to survive you know, when you're in a relationship that's toxic. Yeah, I think so too. And I think, I think the more we talk about it, the more it does pull away that shame yeah. and stigma. And, mm-hmm. You know, it feels good to be able to tell stories like this and, mm-hmm. and for people to know they're not alone, you know? Yes, yeah. 
So um, moving into the new series here this year, um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we're going to be talking about lots of different topics and we're trying to really dive deeper into topics we explored last time and also talk about new things and kind of fill in the blank, so mm -hmm. to speak, uh, things we didn't get to last time. So I'm, I'm pretty excited um, to just give an idea of a few topics we're gonna cover. We're gonna talk about how domestic violence impacts indigenous women and girls. Oh gosh, yes. Yeah, we're gonna talk about how it impacts the LGBTQ2S plus community, um, how domestic violence impacts black women and how that's mm -hmm. different. So there's, we're gonna talk about the legal system. There's a lot of different topics we're gonna get into and, and they're hard conversations, but mm -hmm. I think they're necessary. They're very necessary. And each group of, of women in, um, that you've mentioned have different different issues, different violence, different, different um, uh, I guess uh, domestic violence has so many tentacles and and it's we lump everything under just domestic violence but there's so many aspects of it because people never think that psychological and emotional abuse is domestic violence and that's an area we've hardly even begun to talk about. Um, people just think well it's, it's physical you mm -hmm. know you can see something physical um, but it's the internal demoralization of, of you as a woman that I think we really need to have these great conversations and, and I'm so grateful that you're leading the charge on this and, and opening these opportunities for women. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. I think the more we talk about it and how we talk about how domestic violence impacts different groups and different mm -hmm. people differently. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, we can't, it's not just a blanket thing. No. Everyone has a different experience. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to talk about so you kind of already mentioned this, but I'm wondering why you think we do need to continue these conversations and go a bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's really important because um, it's been a dirty little secret hidden away for a long, long time. And it's it's always goes back to families way back, you know, well, you, you made your bed lying, which is what women used to be told when they would go to their family members. And, and a lot of it had the religious aspect. Well, you, you know, you can't get divorced or you can't leave. What about the children? So women were really trapped and continue to be trapped in, in these situations because of social norms and expectations within within their culture, within their families, you know, just, just societal. I think we still have a lot of societal issues and um, pressures on women to stay. And I think men perpetuate that because it's, it's great for them if, if they have this, this home that they can walk in and everybody thinks they're amazing and wonderful at wherever they work or whatever they're doing. And when they close that door, they become the monster that their family is, is dealing with all the time and the fear in that, in that you know, small family sector. If we don't allow women and children to have a safe place to say, I'm in trouble, I need help, if we don't have that that opportunity for the phone calls, you know, the phone in lines, and, and for, for women who right now are sitting in a terrible position listening to this, and they listen to somebody like you and I saying, we're here to help, there's hope. You, you weren't put on the earth to, to be subjected to this violence and abuse. You are so worthy and you are so amazing and you are so wonderful and we'll get you out of there and we're here to help you and your children. Don't stay. He's not worth it and he's not that important. That's, that's what this is all about. And um, you know, I, I often listen to, to you and Jen talking about we, we would love to be out of business. And unfortunately, we're, the business is growing. But I think it's growing because we're talking about it, because we're finally saying to women, this is, 
bull. You don't need to stay in here. And there are services and facilities to help you. And I think this is, to me, it, it gives me um, great satisfaction and joy to be here and to be knowing that there are women and kids safe here and they're getting the support and the help that we can put our loving arms around them and embrace them and say, we're going to, you know, no more, no more. It's done. And you have this amazing future ahead of you. When I was going through my really tough times, um, I used to lay in bed at night after I put my daughter to bed and think about things, and there were some pretty difficult things that I was dealing with. And I'd, I'd say, well, you know, instead of saying, poor me, why me? I would say, wow, that was an experience, but what next? Because I, 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 I did it, I, I, I coped with it, I, I got to that level. Is there more to come? And there, there was more to come. And I'd say, I, I did that, I coped with it, I managed it, I got stronger. And as each kind of, and it's hard, to, but as each level I had to deal with, and I, I gained strength in that, and then I thought, of course I can do this. I, I can do it. I'm strong. I'm capable. And um, I would always say, in a year from now, I'll be okay. Right now, it's really bad. Right now, I'm not sleeping much. It's bad. I don't know what I'm going to do. But I will get, I will be her in a year from now and get myself out of this and, and uh, look back and say, wow, that was something. But look what I learned and look what I gained. Yeah, I think that's great advice and you know, we can rely on ourselves. There are people to support us, like you said, you're here, yeah. we have women's crisis services, but I think there's something about having the confidence in yourself too mm -hmm. and knowing you can get through tough times and, and if you believe that and you can get through things, it's mm -hmm. I think it's it's really empowering, you know? Yeah, and if you've been with a person who's told you you're not smart enough or good enough, it's they're talking about themselves. They're not talking about you. It's their insecurities and, and their their issues that they're talking about. They just are looking for a victim to say it to because they don't want to deal with it themselves. So when somebody says you're not good enough, just look them back and say, I'm even better than good enough. I'm I can deal with this and I I, I won't accept this anymore for myself. And it will be hard at first, but every time you say it and you look in the mirror at yourself, you just look at yourself and say, wow, I can do this. I am strong, and I will not live my life like this. This is not my purpose. My purpose is bigger and better than this. Yeah, I love that. Um, something else I want to ask you is, so I know when you went through this difficult time, you mentioned earlier you were lucky to have the support of your family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I know you didn't tell them at first, but when you chose to leave, you did have yeah. their support. So I kind of wonder what you think it might be like if you if you didn't have that support system at the time. I don't. I honestly can't imagine not having your family and friends to support you. So nobody in my world knew what I was going through in my home. So I projected to the world this happy, successful woman, you know, everything's great. Um, but when the door got closed and I was in the home, it wasn't. It, I was scared. I was worried about money. He was doing a lot of crazy stuff. And um, yeah, I often think about that. So when I finally got strong enough to tell him to get out and leave the house and he first said, you leave, you out, you know, he swore at me a lot and it was violent and crazy and he was throwing things and breaking things. That's when um, I had already called my mom and dad and I said, I'm in trouble and I need help. And my, the first thing my mother said is, thank God, honey, we've known about things for a long time. We're just waiting for your call. That was, that was astonishing to me because I thought I'd covered it up pretty good. Uh, but he had been going after my family for money behind my back because he was always, he was drinking money away and buying drugs and drinking and stuff. So I was, I was never knew quite what was happening with our money. That was, that was so horrible. Um, 
so when they were on their way over and I stood there and then he started it was like oh la di da yeah well I'll put my shoes on and go it was so bizarre to see the change in him from being horribly awful to me to being this lovely guy oh yeah I gotta go and as he walked out of the house my brother was standing at the door with his arms crossed and I have a big big brother and uh, my ex was like hey how are you doing and my brother just looked at him and, and when he left it was it was the most astonishing feeling because it was done and he left he took his turmoil and his anger and his, his abuse and his cloud of just always things were going wrong with him and uh, we changed the locks immediately and all of a sudden I was in control of my life and that was really something to have that feeling of he's it's done and then and then you just rebuild but without the family around me it would have been hard because I um, I had to go through a lot of uh, of uh, financial issues because I had, the I had to sell the house and was losing money and yeah there's a lot to it so I, I think about women who don't have that support and how difficult it would be and to be told by your family members, well, you know, you, you, you married him or you, you did this. You didn't marry an abuser. You married this man you thought you loved. He turned into the abuser. He is just keeping it hidden and, and quiet from everybody. It was there. And then all of a sudden they become, you know, you're all of a sudden slowly becoming this victim, which is insidious and slow. And I remember after I kicked him out, his sister called me and I spoke with her and, and she said to me, well, we've always known he was an alcoholic. Like, we always knew he was this and that. And I thought, I didn't. He hid it from me for the longest time. And I'm not, I, I thought I was a pretty smart person. And that always, I think about that. Wow, what, what about a woman who doesn't have the support? or doesn't have a good job, or doesn't have, you know, a, a, a base of, of uh, people around her. So uh, for, for someone listening, if, if you're in that position, you do have people around you, people like like me and, and Jenna and the, the, the social workers here and the support staff here. And there's a whole community of, of agencies and support here for you. So make that step, make the call. Don't be afraid to call. Um, we're here to support you and help you and you're not alone. Yeah, exactly, I agree. And and I think it's really interesting and your story because we always say when women are leaving, it's the most dangerous time to leave because mm -hmm. violence is the most likely to escalate. So in your situation, you had already called your family and you mm -hmm. had your support there and yeah. it really helped you. Yes. Whereas if women are alone, it's it can be so dangerous. Mm -hmm. And you said your husband's personality changed like that. Oh yeah, yeah. And you just don't know what could happen. So for us, we always say, yeah, call, tell a friend, tell somebody mm -hmm. and get connected with us or mm -hmm. another VAW agency and make a safety plan Yeah, and make yeah. a safe exit because if you don't have support like that, it, it can get very dangerous and, and we want to make sure we're aware of the risk mm -hmm. and we can help you through that. So mm -hmm. yeah, don't, don't feel like it's, it's, um, um, a lot of women think that they're a failure, that they failed at their marriage. No, the marriage failed you. It wasn't you who failed. It was the, the marriage. It was, it was your spouse or your partner. The person that you, you thought you loved didn't exist. They were just waiting till they could do something to, to uh, victimize you and harm you. So don't fall for that. Don't fall for that at all. You are worthy and perfect and, and special and um, your life is most important and your children if you have children, not your your um, abusive spouse or partner. Yeah. 
So I know it, it might seem like an obvious kind of question, but I'm just wondering if you can explain why this conversation is important to you. Oh, that's such a, a great question. Um, it's important to me because I feel that uh, I have been in a position in the community that, um, you know, uh, a lot of people were able to, to, uh, to, to get to know me. And I think it's really important that being in this position that I can help that I, I, I'm able to provide any support and love and care that I can for people because I have been helped by so many. And one of the reasons why I ran for mayor is because of the support I got from the community and from and Selma House, you know, Women's Crisis Services, from the region to get help with, with daycare. Like, I was wiped out and had to, to rebuild. And there were so many people in organizations who, who I just turned to, and they said, of course, we're here to help. So I, I now feel that I have an opportunity that I can help connect people to those services that they might not know about, or to just show them by example that this is just a temporary part of your life that is not going to last forever. And you have the choice and the control to make, make things better. And there are people and organizations here to help. So for me, this is really important to tell my story uh, because I hope it does um, give hope. And I hope it does show women that you can be anything you want. If you have a dream and a desire and you want to do it, you just go and do it because um, that's what I decided to do and, and make a change. And you know, when I became mayor in 2006, it wasn't an easy, it, politics was not easy for women. So I got a lot of uh, in interesting comments made throughout my career that are now, the leadership that I did in, in the you know, 2006 was uh, listening, uh, team building, working together, uh, making changes, you know, bringing everybody into the conversation. I was highly criticized by especially older gentlemen that I was weak, I couldn't make a decision, um, some pretty nasty stuff. And it wasn't a lot of social media in those days, it was to my face or letters. Now I look at where we're at for leadership and those qualities are where we're at and what we believe in and where we're heading. So I, I feel good about that, that I was able to kind of maybe have an impact on some of the, the leadership qualifications that we now uh, think are important. Oh yeah, I think so. I think you helped pave the way and, and I think it is so important to have women leaders Me and too. yeah, women role models mm -hmm. for young girls and all women yes. really because you know, when you don't see yourself represented whether it's mm -hmm. in politics or whatever it's in you don't necessarily think that you can do it so yeah one of the most uh, important things for me to do was recognize uh, little girls and young women and I would put the mayor's chain of office I love going to schools and talking to the students and grade five was where uh, they talk about municipal and government and they learn that so I went to a lot of grade five classes in eight years I think of the number of children I was able to meet and the look on the little girls faces um, when I would put the chain of office on them or, or children uh, from different different uh, countries, or just say, you can be the mayor, you can be the mayor, you can be the mayor, here's, look. And um, I have now, <clears throat> sometimes when I'm out, I'll have young people come up to me and say, I remember, you talked to us, you told me this, or I still have the pin you gave me. I think, wow, because I talk to them about being community champions, about taking care of each other, about you own this city too it's all your property we need to take care of it and respect each other and i used to give them uh i probably sounded like their mother or their grandmother like when you're on a bus and and there's somebody older coming in or somebody needs help what should you do and there would be always one child give up my seat yes 
and hold doors open for people and don't scream and swear on the streets because you scare your grandparents and <laughs> they would they were beautiful because they were little sponges and got this uh, this message for me. So uh, some days when I have somebody talk to me and say, I, I remember you and you did this, I think, my gosh, wow. Maybe that made a difference to somebody at that time. How wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's really something. What an honor. Oh, yeah. And I think that's kind of a, a good segue for um, this. And as we wrap up here is, you know, part of the She Is Your Neighbor project is talking about how we can all be good neighbors and yes. be better neighbors to those around us. You just gave some really cute, great examples. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Uh, could you give a few more examples of how we could be good neighbors to whether it's women and children experiencing domestic violence mm -hmm. or to anyone mm -hmm. around us, really? Well, I think we really need to be aware of what's happening in our little streets. Um, in our big streets so uh, you know we live on a, a cul-de-sac and we don't really know our neighbors but everybody you just feel like everybody knows if you that you're okay mm -hmm. it's a it's a lovely feeling uh, as the cities are growing and and uh, people are becoming more and more isolated you know with with more condo living and apartment living and that um, I, I worry for us I worry that there are too many secrets behind those doors and especially with COVID and and uh, so many families being locked away I have grave worries about about what could be happening and um, if you think that there's just something not right ask a question or it, it's okay to maybe just say hey how's it going if you see something happening and, and I have done this when I've seen something um, going on between either children or um, uh, spouses like people on the street I have interjected myself and just said hey you know how's everything going and that is one part of the um, training that I received uh, is don't be afraid to just walk up if you think it's bullying or anything going on uh, and just pretend like you know the person and say how are you so I uh, I think we all need to just make sure and check in on people if you have a feeling something's not right follow your instinct because there probably isn't um, and it's so important because uh, if we don't watch out for each other who else will we're all we've got you know, and we're all neighbors, and we're all part of a community and, and part of, of taking care of each other, and I think it is so, so important. And I think we're drifting away from that. I think our children, because of social media, are becoming more and more isolated. Um, but the one good thing I've heard about COVID from many people is how they've enjoyed being with their families again. Like, there is a positive thing. And, and getting to know their children, because they talk about we hand our children to daycares and, and schools and we don't get to see them much anymore. So the COVID situation has, I think, been um, been a bit of a positive thing for families, but it also has brought all the fear and worry that is being talked about is, is well, what happens to these women and children if they're locked in a home with, with a, an abuser, a monster? So yeah, keep your eyes open, be a part of this, this incredible campaign on She Is Your Neighbor, don't be afraid to kind of look beyond your front yard. Take, be a little aware. Watch the streets. Um, you know, let's just take care of each other. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today, Thank Brenda. You, I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. That wraps up this week's show, but the conversation is far from over. We want to hear what you think. Use the hashtag SheIsYourNeighbor on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and join in the conversation. We all have a role to play in ending domestic violence.